Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. If you don't know me uh, that well, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you won't know this story, but it's a story that I recount every, every year or so, just to remind myself of how far I've come. I, I grew up in a nation called Zimbabwe, and uh, in the decade called the 90s. And uh, the 90s was uh, the best generation, people. Anyone from the 90s? Come here, come on. There we go. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Wonderful. Um, but the 90s had many things going for it. One thing that was, uh, was, was a, a fixture in schools was this a thing called these wooden desks that were able to open. And you'll, you were able to keep things and store your treasures in there, keep your space cases, your highlighters, your, your whatever you're wanting to do, you know, your, your TV schedule for what was coming on uh, TV that day. You, know, you had to, all there, the post of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys on the inside. You know, it was all in that desk. And uh, every year at Valentine's Day, there was this, this ritual at our school that the girls would go in before the boys, and they'll spend all morning putting all these secret admirer cards together, and they'll go and they'll deposit it in, the, in the, the, the boy of their fancy into his desk, and then they'll leave there giggling with glee and excitement. And us boys, we're trying to play it cool, we're trying to pretend that we didn't actually care what was going on, but we actually were at this awkward stage where we sort of did, and we didn't know what to do with this thing called emotions and, 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 and girls, you know, we just were, we were a nervous wreck, all of us. And uh, this had been going on for many years, and, and every year I'd watch this from a distance because every year my desk just stayed resolutely empty. Yeah. It was a tough time, people. But, uh, but I remember that one year distinctively, it just, it just it burned into my, 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 my memory bank was this one moment where I remember going in, and that day I nonchalantly, pretending I don't care, opening up the desk, and I saw that there was something inside the desk that was in there that wasn't there before. It was, a, it was a letter with glitter to my secret admirer at Red. And I remember picking it up and my, my heart started to beat fast. My palms got sweaty. I, I started to quote Eminem, as you could see there. Um, it's my one chance, my one opportunity. I was ready, people. And I remember as I started to pick this up, I actually didn't care who it was from. I just was glad I'd got something in my desk. And I started there before I opened it up. I started to picture the future Mrs. Phillips I pictured our 20 red-headed children and how we would form a family band and travel the world. And I was like, I was amazed. I was ready. I was ready for this. And as I was about to open up and find out who she was, a girl came up with a horror-stricken face. She placed her hand strongly on my shoulder. And with her other hand, she ripped out the notes out of my hand and said, sorry, wrong desk. Yeah. And for the last 20 or so years, I've been trying to re rework this, and, and this is therapy for me, so thank you so much for coming today to my <laughs> therapy session. But it's been a narrative that's, uh, that's stuck with me for a number of reasons as the years have gone on, I've matured, and I've dealt with that, that reality, and I've moved on. Uh, I'm married now, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> not to that woman. <laughs> Where is she now? I don't care, people. But I digress. The reality is that actually I, I, this become more than just a, a juvenile moment in Zimbabwe uh, that marks a young child. It actually is a picture of what I think that actually plays out, not just in my life, but plays out in all of our lives again and again on repeat. 
that actually we feel like we're making progress in life. We feel that as we're stepping into something new, we're stepping into a new season. We're wanting to make decisions for God. We're wanting to live for a greater reality. We want to live for eternity, for people. And as we do that, we take steps of faith. The enemy has the habit of coming with his hand and placing it on our shoulder and saying, sorry, but not you. I know the emptiness of your situation. Maybe for somebody else, but I know that you are disqualified. I know what you did last summer. I know what you did last week. I know what you did last evening. I know the skeletons in your closets. I know that you might be singing the songs at the top of your voice, but inside you're empty. And it's almost maybe with every step of faith, you're feeling like the enemy's about to just go, sorry, wrong desk, not you. And I've got this suspicion in my heart that actually this is not just our story. This is a universal story. The scripture says it this way. The enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. On the other hand, Jesus came to bring life and life to the full. And I want to tell you, as I look around the world at the moment, we look around, it's, not, it's so clear to see the, the economy worldwide is in the tank. Finances for individuals are, 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 are under huge pressure as everyone seems to be wrecked in some shape or form with debt and unpaid bills. There's isolation and depression that's ravaging our souls. There's addictions that are running wild and unchecked. There's relational chaos left, right, and in the center. There's corruption that's just as the norm, and that's just on the surface level with one periphery glance. We can see all of these things. But on the other hand, I want to tell you, God is still providing. On the other hand, God is still redeeming. On the other hand, God is still restoring. On the other hand, God is still healing. On the other hand, Jesus is still king. And on the other hand, despite what we see, despite the enemy's best attempts, Jesus is still building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I want to preach for 10 minutes very briefly now, just to put fire in our hearts, a title called On the Other Hand. On the Other Hand. So I want you to do this very quickly. Why don't you take your right hand, place them on the shoulder of the person on your right. Do it with me, do it with me, put it on the right. And tell that person, you're the best person I've ever sat next to. <laughs> now take, take your left hand, take your left hand and put that on the other side. And look at that person and say, on the other hand. And now fill in the blank, whatever you want to do there. Let's pray briefly. Father, I thank you for this morning. There's so much going on, so much excitement in the natural. We see all these things, and also maybe at a deeper level, there's a lot of things going on in our hearts, a whole lot of empty desks where it feels like the enemy has been ravaging our souls. There are people in this room I know who have got loved ones in hospital, people in this room I know who even lost loved ones this week. People in this room who have got huge pressures tomorrow and knocking on their door, and they feel like the hand of the enemy has got them in a vice. I thank you that on the other hand, we have a king who's on the move and you're wanting to do something in this moment that's even bigger than just a life changes century city story. You're awakening sons and daughters again. Thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Briefly this morning, there's this phrase that comes all the way through scripture that just comes up again and again and again. And it's this phrase that declares about how God works. It's called the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord, and it often is to talk about creation. It's supposed to talk about what God does. The psalmist will say things like this, that uh, I marvel at the works of your hand. And it talks about how the, the sky, the stars, the great expanse and the, is the work of God's hand in creation. But as we drill down and read in Scripture, I want to briefly help us understand that when it talks about the work of God's hand, it's also starting to talk about His work and intervention in the lives of humanity. So when we see this phrase, it says, the, the hand of the Lord Firstly, I want to tell you, it speaks of protection, divine protection. 
Psalm 31 verse 15 says this, my future is in your hands. Rescue me, O God, from the hands of my enemies. That's the, 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 the word of the Lord to you and I. The future is not in the hands of the government. It's not in the hands of your boss. It's not in the hands of your emotional state. No, the future is in his hands, the hands of the Lord. It also speaks not just of protection, but also of provision. Psalm 104 verse 28 says, you open your hand and they are filled with good things. Psalm 145 verse 16 says, when you, God, open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. Ezra 7 verse 6 says, and the king gave him everything he asked for because the gracious hand of the Lord, his God, was upon him. Speaks of protection, speaks of provision, but it also speaks about power, God's dramatic power. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 19 to 20, God speaking to Moses says this, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I'll perform among them. After that, he will let you go. In that scripture, you see there's two hands at work. There's the enemy's hands. The hand of, the, of Pharaoh will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. And God says, when I stretch out my hand, he'll have no choice but to let you go. This is the power of our God, and, and this is the reality because we, I want to tell us very quickly, there's this narrative in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's this reverberating in my soul about a prophet named Elijah, and it's this incredible backdrop. For three years, the nation of Israel has felt like the, the hand has been closed upon them. The hand of favor and provision has been closed. Literally, the heavens have been shut for three years. No rain, famine. It's just, it's, it's chaos, it's, 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 it's relational chaos, it's, it's financial chaos, people are, don't know what to do, it feels like Israel has been deserted, their prayers aren't being heard, and they just are carrying on in this, this vice-like grip of the enemy, so much so that they start worshiping a God called Baal, and now Baal was literally the God of fertility or the God of the rains, and if you go and do a, a cursory Google image search of the, God, the images of Baal, Baal's, every image of Baal is him with a closed fist. Closed hands, closed hands, and no matter how loud they shouted and prayed and danced and pleaded, the hands of the enemy was like a vice-like grip, not letting them go into any sort of freedom. But then we have this man named Elijah who comes onto the scene, the prophet of God, and it's an incredible interaction he has where he starts, he says, I hear the sound of coming rain, and people almost scoff at him, they laugh at him, so he does something, he goes on top of a mountain. And the scriptures tells us he stretches low, or he bows low to the ground, and he prays to God once. And after praying to God, he sends out a servant and says, go and check on the horizon, is there any sign of rain? The servant goes all the way up outside, has a look at the sky, it's blue skies. There's nothing, he checks his weather wrap, there's just blue skies for the next seven days. He runs back and going, hey Elijah, please don't kill the messenger, but it seems like your prayer didn't work. So Elijah says, I'll pray again. He prays a second time, sends the servant out. Same situation, there's no rain. Third time, same situation. Fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. But on the seventh time, and I can imagine the servant going, oh, this guy has completely lost it. Get this guy a happy meal, get him some Netflix. This guy needs just to, just to calm down because he's lost the plot. But on the seventh time, as he sends out the servant, the servant is almost about to give up hope. But then the servant sees something miraculous coming on the horizon. It says, out of the sea, I saw a cloud that was in the shape of a man's hand. 
symbolizing the hand of God that was moving on an economy, on a landscape, on a geography that had been shut tight for three years. In one moment, the hand of the Lord started to move, and the Bible tells us that they were soon overtaken by the rain that came. This is the reality for you and I. I want to tell you, we need the hand of God upon our lives. What you can achieve with all your best efforts, all your best promises, your best behavior is nothing short of just the going to a closed fist that will never be able to be opened on your own. But when the hand of the Lord comes upon a people, when the hand of the Lord comes upon a family, when the hand of the Lord comes upon an addiction, things change in the moment. The power of the enemy is broken in an instant. I want to tell you that I haven't felt the hand of the Lord so strongly as in the last few weeks. I can, I feel that I don't know what to even say sometimes. We've preached on a Sunday, yeah, and I get to the end and I don't know how to finish, but it's not because I've got some uh, inability to finish the sermon well. It's just a feeling, the hand of the Lord, I'm saying, God, I, I never want to move away from this. And I'm saying this church, we don't need, as Mark said, Cape Town doesn't need another church that's trying to do closed-fisted Christianity. Oh, God, would you do this, please? No, we are people who are going to trust our Father in the hand of the Lord. And where He moves, we move. And I want to tell you, I want to invite you to understand this today because let me tell you, when Jesus came, putting a face to the Father, we told that Jesus met with lepers, people who hadn't been touched in years, people who had known only the closed fist of humanity saying, stay away from us. But Jesus steps into the fray and we cause us such conspiracies, cause us such a controversy because Jesus meets these lepers, not with a closed fist saying, stay away, but with the hand of the Lord, he touches them. And as he touches the leper, he did not get leprosy. The leper got healed. There was a woman with an issue of blood who for years was met with a closed fist of humanity. Stay away. Keep yourself separate. Don't come into this crowd. Don't bring your issues here. But in the moment, she met the hand of God as her little hand outstretched and touched the hem of his garment. He did not shoo her away, but power went out from him. And in one moment, something that held her captive for 12 years was released. She was healed and set free. There was a dead girl, a dead girl. And in that community, in that society, you were strictly forbidden to touch a dead body or you'll be corrupted and would be, have to be put aside. That actually the people would stand outside with shaking their fists at God. Why would you take this dead person? But Jesus pushed all of them aside, actually kicked them out the very room. And Jesus came and the scripture tells us with his hand, the hand of the Lord, he touched a dead girl. And with one word, said, little girl, get up. And death obeyed the word of the Lord. Death submitted to the hand of the Lord. I want to tell you, this is so huge for us because this whole story of Jesus climaxes, reaches its highest point, the zenith point on the cross of Calvary. And on Calvary, as they crucified Jesus, because the world continued to shake their fists at Jesus because they did not understand that the hand of the Lord had come to heal them. They were convinced there was just another moment. This was another moment, another man, there were mythical figure that would rise but fall. It would be another wrong desk moment for humanity. Another failed attempt. So what man did was they nailed him to a cross. They nailed his feet to the wooden beam. They, they, they cut his side. And finally they nailed his hands. The hands that had held the stars now became the hands that bore our scars. The hand of the Lord was nailed to the cross. Now, as I bring this into land, I want to tell you what is huge. When Jesus rose again from victory, we are told that in that moment, he rose again. On Friday, he wore a crown of thorns on his head. 
But now let me tell you, he has risen in glory. And he is, we are told, he is crowned with many crowns. He has now got a royal diadem upon his face that all of us will throw our crowns before him as Jesus no longer wears the crown of thorns. He wears a crown of victory. The Bible tells us that on the Friday he was, he was stripped and he was naked. But let me tell you, when he rose again, he was no longer naked. He was no longer the naked, a suffering servant. No, he has been clothed in splendor and majesty. He is clothed in rainbows of living color that the whole world come before this glow, robed in glory, our King. Let me tell you about Jesus. On Friday, Jesus was mocked, spat upon, was humiliated. But when he rose, he was no longer mocked. The Bible says that he's been given the name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, the name that was spat upon, mocked, was so humiliated, at that name, every knee will bow. Every time we'll confess that he is the Lord. No more thorns on his head. No more nakedness. No more mocking of this king. But let me tell you one thing. The scars that were in his hands are still the scars that are on his hands. He rose again with scars in his hands. This is so remarkable for you and I, is that the, the resurrected Christ, he met Thomas and the disciples and said, if you want to believe, touch the scars in my hands, touch the wound in my side. I am risen and I have, I have defeated the grave, but I'm still the one who saves. This is the radical reality for you and I, is we're told in scripture that Jesus is our man in glory. Right now, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is so huge for you and I, that whenever we feel that our arm is short, that we feel the enemy has got us by a grip, and, we, and, and rightly so, he knows your addiction, he knows your betrayal, he knows your offense, he knows your weakness, and you think he's got you, and wrong death, there's no way forward. We look to Jesus, and the hand of God, whether you think you deserve it or not, all Jesus does for us is lift up his hands and show us the wounds, the price that was paid for you and I. Our man in glory with the wounds in his hands. So I want to tell you today, no matter what the enemy steals, on the other hand, Jesus is still healing. On the other hand, Jesus is still reaching. On the other hand, Jesus is still protecting. On the other hand, Jesus is still providing. No matter what the economy says, no matter what the forecasters say, Jesus is still saving. Because he's our man in glory with the wounds in his hands. One more scripture, Revelations 1 verse 17. The apostle John on the Isle of Patmos says this. When he had a revelation of Jesus, he said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand upon me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And in my hands, I hold the keys of death and Hades. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'll call the band up at this moment. Today I ask us a question. Do you want the hand of God on your life? I ask you, do you want the hand of God upon your business? Do you want the hand of God on your relationships? Do you want the hand of God on your dreams, your family, your life? Well, here's a clue. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says this. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself, position yourself. It's a God who brings provision. He's a God who brings protection. He's a God who brings power. But all we have to do is position ourselves under his hand.
Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.